0: Hi, I'm Michael Hartman. I'm Naomi Liu.
1: And I'm Mike Rizzo. And this is OpsCast.
0: A podcast for marketing ops pros.
1: And RevOps pros.
0: Created by the MoPros, the number one community for marketing operations professionals.
2: Tune in to each episode as we chat with real professionals to help elevate you in your marketing operations career.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of OpsCast brought to you by the Mopros. I'm Michael Hartman, joined today by my co-host Naomi Liu and Mike Rizzo. Say hello. Hello, hello. Hey, everybody. All right. Today, excited to have with us Chris Walker to talk about attribution modeling, sort of. He's the founder and CEO of Refined Labs. Um, Refined Labs is a progressive demand generation agency that challenges the status quo in B2B marketing. Refine Labs executes tactics that align with how consumers actually buy instead of generating fruitless leads. Before launching Refine Labs, Chris led marketing at two B2B firms where he built the foundation of his unique perspective on Demand Gen. He also hosts the State of Demand Gen podcast where he shares tangible advice and tactics alongside today's top B2B marketers. Chris, Jake, thanks for joining us today.
3: Hey, everyone. Really great to be here. And as a lot of people know, this is a really good topic. So I'm interested and in, uh, I'm looking forward to diving in here.
0: Yeah. So for for the folks who don't know, um, well, let's we'll start with our listeners. So our listeners being primarily marketing ops or revenue ops folks. And uh, interestingly, I think we've gotten feedback from even salespeople and things like that. So, um, yeah, they're very interested in attribution, attribution modeling. We've talked about that a number of times on the podcast, whether it was the intended topic or not and um i think it's safe to say that uh would it would be safe to say that you're a skeptic chris of attribution modeling is that kind of maybe at best that's yeah. it
3: i'm not sure if skeptics the right word but i certainly have a different perspective than most
1: <laughs> well what so you what? Say, uh, you're challenging the status quo i just think i, I fundamentally
3: <laughs> think about it differently than how other people think about it and I'm looking forward to adding some color and details around it as to why
0: yeah. So why don't we start with this? Like, what? Like from the at the top, top level, right? What do you think are the like the major issues or challenges with attribution modeling?
3: Um. So especially coming at it from the angle of marketing ops or rev ops people on here, I just want people to know that like I've done your job before. In 2017, I was running marketing ops. I was integrating with Salesforce. I was pushing data. I was looking at attribution. I've done all of these different things. Um, and while I was doing it, I also, when I think that rev ops and marketing ops people that do not get exposed to is I was out talking to customers and running demand at the same time. And when you get a more broad view of what's going on and you see what's happening in the attribution systems and what's telling you, and then you go and talk to customers and customers are telling you what their journeys are like, and you see big mismatches between what software says and what customers say, you start to challenge what's going on. And so that was the first kind of like the first signals that, um, that I saw, which was basically attribution software was telling us that paid search, organic search, and direct traffic were driving all of our revenue. And the only places in marketing that we were focusing on were a podcast, email, um, a couple other things, a podcast, email, Facebook ads, a couple other things. And customers were telling us that all of those things were the things that were making the impact. Um, And so I'm challenging people to think mainly the main thing to think about here is whether software is the only way to measure attribution or not. It's not. There are plenty of ways. And the point of attribution is so that marketers and companies can understand what's working in order to drive better strategy decisions. And so software is one way to get you there. It's one way, but qualitative customer research, win-loss analysis, um, some other type of qualitative measurement, like we put, how did you hear about us on your forms? There's a variety of other ways that you can collect information to drive your marketing strategy than just looking at what's happening in s- that software is generating for you.
2: I'm curious if you think that the type of attribution makes a difference, right? So like if you're talking about like linear or time decay or position-based, that kind of thing. And I see a smile on your face and folks that are listening, you know, I, I I feel like I've, maybe I've hit a nerve a little bit.
3: <laughs> I, 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 love the, I love these questions because um, it's, n- sure, like the type of attribution model that you use is going to change the outcome. That's like the point of it. The thing that people don't understand is that regardless of the attribution model, the software still misses a huge amount of touch points that matter. Word of mouth, referrals, non-direct response social touches, content consumption in Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, like um, third-party events, PR. There's a ton of touch points that are, in my view, the most valuable parts of a modern B2B buying journey today that never get chalked up to attribution software. And so you get Mm -hmm. this very myopic, biased, overweighted view toward lower funnel channels like search that push marketers to invest money in places where buyers pass through to buy, but it's not driving buying decisions. So you can change, you can use a different attribution model, right? Like, um, but changing the attributions model does not solve the part that software doesn't measure most of these, these critical things today. And so the software originated and worked very well in 2011 when digital buying journeys were simple that there weren't a lot of different channels, that attribution was straightforward because <laughs> the web was done. There We weren't in cross-device where people have three different devices, mobile, tablet, work computer, personal computer, um, and all of these social networks that have privacy policies that aren't going to give out data for all these things. And so people basically just had Google and websites.
2: So do you think there's a benefit to doing a hybrid approach? Or I'm actually really curious what you would say on the phone if, like, when a visible rep tries to call you to sell you <laughs> their software.
3: So for the record, for the record, everyone, most of the customers that we work with use a tool, a multi-touch attribution tool. I'm not saying not to use them. I'm saying the way that the tools are used, I think, is is narrow-minded and suboptimal. And so, yes, I do believe that there's a hybrid approach that lowers the weight that comes from attribution software. And the main reason that I use multi-touch is looking at the path to conversion, which I find to be the biggest predictor and surrogate of buyer intent and predictor of sales funnel win metrics and things like that. So I think about it as, it's very clear, how did this buyer enter our pipeline? That's what I want to know. And then I use a lot more qualitative signals to think about in the places that we know B2B research and discovery is happening, that we know is not being measured appropriately by these software tools. We need a different measurement system to think about what is actually creating the demand and educating our buyers. So I think that attribution software does a very good job at measuring capturing demand. And we need mm-hmm. to think differently about creating demand, which is some of the things that we're pioneering with our customers right now.
1: I like that. I think um I think you see a little bit of this on the sentiment analysis side of things. And there's there's new software solutions that are trying to understand those stuff, that stuff. But at the same time, to kind of echo what you're talking about, you know, it doesn't mean that once I'm on a call with somebody. And even if my BDR is is trained to say, how did you hear about us? It doesn't mean that that tool is going to be able to pull that out every single time. I think over time, it, it might be capable of doing that. Um, but like today, the reality is, is that it, it just can't. And what I'm curious about, though, Chris, is like for your customers, based on your experience, like who? Like what operational process are you putting in place to actually take the time to understand the qualitative stuff? Because measuring qualitative and like data is is really, really hard. And like I'm just trying to figure out like who owns that responsibility. Uh is it RevOps, like you know, is it Mops? Like I don't I don't even know.
3: Yeah, yeah. Measuring qualitative data is hard, which is why most people don't do it, but don't be confused. It's where the best insights come from. Of course. The best insights come from and you see things way earlier. When you look at qualitative instead of quantitative, and so that's why, from a strategy perspective, my company moves faster. We see opportunities years before other companies start acting on them. It's because the qualitative signals are there and obvious if you looked for them, but most companies don't. So I'll talk through one of the experiments we ran, and then I'll talk through the operational stuff. And so one of the experiments that we ran at our business, and I love kind of the drink your own champagne or do it on like prove it out on yourself and then show what's going on. And so what we did is that we. Put how did you hear about us on our main form that drives ninety eight percent of our revenue comes through this form we put a how did you hear about us? what most people would do is they put a drop down menu with all the options we didn't we required it free text field in the free text field the buyer can write anything. We are getting crazy stuff from here that's that's awesome like, the, and what you and i 'll talk through the rest of the, the analysis but what you're some of the examples of what we 're getting. Is somebody says I like I was friends. I worked with Catano Denardi in two thousand sixteen and then I realized that he was doing this podcast with you, so I started listening to the podcast when he was on it, and then I started following your CEO on LinkedIn and now I'm on your website converting. And HubSpot Enterprise Attribution says direct traffic. <laughs> and then Um, Another one is like, I'm in Dave Gerhardt's community and um, noticed that they were talking about some of the work that you did. And one of the people in the comments said that they work with you. And now I'm a CMO and I'm here. And attribution software says organic search. And that's no knock on HubSpot attribution. Any type of attribution software has the same limitations of not being able to measure these things because of the privacy policies in some of these places or just the fact that word of mouth is not being measured this way. And so we bubbled up all that data. There was more than 200 total conversions that we're publishing. So we have conversions, right? Just raw form conversions. Then we have what made it to a qualified opportunity. And then we have what made it to closed one. And if you look at the data of qualified opportunities, it's the, the attribution software says that 76% of our qualified ops come from search or direct traffic. But the customers say that eighty-two percent of customers say so they found us through community, social media, um, our podcast, or word of mouth. But most companies don't have that data; they don't measure it at all. So they're saying organic search, direct traffic, or some of our lead gen programs. Let's keep doing that stuff because that's what is what that's what we're measuring. But it's not like, and then, but they don't ask their customers, so they don't see that word of mouth and content and referrals and communities is where this stuff is actually coming from. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's fascinating. So that's on our business. I think it's got really that. interesting. And now yeah. we're scaling that out to to collect that data across forty B two B SaaS companies and run this in a much large scale model, so people can really see what's going on here.
0: And, and this is all from like actually adding a field to a form which most people kind of cringe at right so
3: we took one out so anyone that's like oh our conversion rate's going to go down blah 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 we took one out you can use enrichment software you can do whatever you want to lower the fields on the form it's just an excuse not to do it um because you might not like the answers that it shows and so and the second piece is that i mentioned on the qualitative like the free text field we're getting huge insights and then on the back we're manually sorting them into buckets so that it's accurate so i've I literally do this myself. When it says I was on the like, listen to the podcast, and then I heard saw a follower, CEO on LinkedIn, and now I'm here. I tick podcast and and LinkedIn. And we,
0: yeah, it's you know, interesting that you're you this is almost like what I've seen from market research stuff, where you know you usually do it through surveys, and the surveys have you know the structure of the surveys and the questions and the answers and the options that are there really kind of drive what you see. Mm-hmm. But what I've always found. is the most valuable stuff is that if you just ask an open-ended question, right? That's where the real gold is. And that's kind of what you're talking about. Okay.
3: And that's just one, this is one data point collecting a lot of information, right? I think that the problem is that people are looking for some straight line, like I'm going to see a dashboard. It's going to tell me exactly what to do. And we're in a world now where you need to be a lot more strategic and a lot more thoughtful and collect data points from a lot of different places and pair intuition with data and, and a lot of customer understanding. Intuition is one way to look at it, but it's really just deep customer knowledge to drive strategy decisions. So com- companies have been, I for I, I don't think it's for lack of a better word, I just think it's the truth, brainwashed to think that you need to look at software to have direct ROI. But like you don't. You've just been trained to think that.
0: Well, and you just brought up the ROI term, and I was going to kind of get to that. I I, I think one of the things that has sort of shifted, along with kind of your your points of view, I guess, about attribution modeling, has been I get the sense that you know, part of what the appeal was for marketing leaders for attribution software was it was a way to prove the ROI of marketing, right? Not just tactics and and programs, but overall marketing possible. spend. And uh, I think it was really interesting to, we had a guest a couple of weeks ago who sort of just tried to distinguish the two. And then we have one who actually tried to bring it back together. But I mean, I I do you think that's part of the problem too, is that everyone, you know, a lot of marketers who are getting beat down about proving their value, saw attribution modeling tools and technology as a way to sort of solve that for them.
3: I think that attribution software Helps marketers take credit for things that they didn't actually make an impact on. So I do think it helps marketers generate some type of ROI that's larger than what it actually was. Um, but if we're looking at just generally what is the ROI of marketing, I've completely changed like a, comp- a we've built a completely different way to look at this that is so much more simple, that's so much more clear to go back and have a conversation with a CFO that just set, that just looks at. How many people, how many qualified buyers or accounts come to our website and say, I want to talk to your sales about buying this stuff now. How much revenue gets generated through that against the cost of all of marketing? And if you can't defend at like a six to 12 month CAC payback of the entire marketing budget driving that much revenue through the website, then something's wrong. And so what we're looking for is if you're on a $10 million, $10 million budget in marketing, then you should be driving about twenty million in revenue, somewhere between ten and twenty million in revenue through your website during that period of time, um, which is which would deem most marketing programs complete failures. Because and so they they will leverage influenced revenue, first touch attribution. But our sales team called them six years later. You know what I mean. And so um, it puts pressure on marketing to deliver real, real results. The second reason, and the real reason to, of why a company should score marketing this way, is because you'll never have a better system to generate revenue than qualified buyers coming to you and saying, "I want to buy now." So I don't want my marketing team op- optimizing for anything but that. Is how do we get more qualified buyers to say, "I want to, I want to buy this stuff now"? Shorter sales cycles, way higher win rates, way better sales productivity. Um, Way more ultimate scalability, drives word of mouth into the market from happy customers, the lowest possible customer acquisition cost. It's just obvious. And so I want my marketing team optimizing around that. And I want, from a business standpoint, I want the business to score marketing on how much revenue is coming through our website relative to how much we spend on marketing. And then from a marketing standpoint, marketing needs to look at the programs and how the budget's being allocated And potentially use different measurement mechanisms to figure out and go back to executive leadership, CFO, CEO, and say, these are the things that are working. Here's why, in a way, with a way that people trust and believe. If we spent more, we want to reallocate budget to these programs, or I want to go back and I want to spend a million dollars more on LinkedIn ads next year, and here's why. And here's what we're going to get out of it, because I put together a business case that a CFO buys into. Those are the types of conversations that marketing leaders can are a lot of marketing leaders can't have. Um, and so you don't if you went and had that conversation, one, I think you'd have a lot more trust from the executive team. And I think you'd have a lot more success in getting more budget. The um and I've gone through this a lot with CMOs, the reason that their requests for more budget get denied is because there's no business case to support spending more.
0: Okay, so see you, you got a big fan of that for me because I keep telling everybody in marketing and marketing apps, they need to learn finance. Mm-hmm. If you can't have the conversation with the CFO, you're kind of behind in being able to justify any kind of thing like this. So, mm-hmm. um, so, so if I understood this right, right. And I, I like the idea, like the real intent is someone raising their hand and I've gone through some of this on the website. So if I take what you said, I think what you're saying is like focus Less on what's driving people to the website. I mean, you do need to do that, but also make sure that your website is an efficient tool at driving those people who are interested and make it easy for them to raise their hand and get to you so that you can then move them forward quickly. Is that kind of the the shorter version of what you're saying?
3: The, The shortest version is that you will definitely win more and do better when people are coming to you saying, hey, I'd love to have a meeting with you about buying this now versus you going to them and saying, hey, do you want to have a meeting with us? And that's marketing's job. Marketing's job is to build a reputation in the market where everyone understands the category, the product, and the company has an affinity So that and they are aware of the problems and the opportunities that exist by either using or not using the tool, which then leads them to talk to peers and communities, have internal discussions with leadership, check pricing, look at review sites, go to Google, those types of places that lead them to an inbound conversion. And so, because of the way that companies score at and use attribution, they're not focused on any of that stuff because they can't measure it. So all they do is just sit down and review sites and Google search and overspend in these places and collect leads.
1: Hey everyone, it's Mike Rizzo here and I'm interrupting your episode to bring you a brief message about, you might have guessed it, Mopsapalooza 2024, our second annual conference held in the vibrant city of Anaheim, California. We're hosting this hybrid event from the 5th of November through the 8th, and we would love for you to join us in person in Anaheim. But if you can't, please join us via live stream, courtesy of our sponsor, Excel Events. We're excited to offer an opportunity for professionals just like you to connect, learn, and grow among the best in the industry. Our event promises to be a highlight of the year, offering invaluable professional development experiences, live workshops, and of course, networking with your peers. Don't miss out on this incredible gathering right next to Disneyland in Southern California. Tickets are going fast. We will cap registration at 700 attendees. Secure your pass by visiting marketingops.com today. And we're looking forward to welcoming you to what is guaranteed to be an unforgettable event. It might just be the best event you've ever attended. But don't take my word for it. You can ask the community at any time. We'll see you there. yeah i totally agree i i um i i' just like as i'm as i'm listening to all of this i'm thinking about <clears throat> companies that i've been at and companies that i advise and and how you're you're oftentimes in like early stage organizations. You're trying to figure out what the right messaging structure is and what the right strategy is, and and you can sort of test that through clicks, right? Like you can put together messaging like hypotheses on Google search terms, for example, and like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to validate that the um, the approach of you know making someone fearful of not having the solution is the right way for us to be thinking about you know the go to market here. Um, But if you're not actually like thinking about, okay, well, once they're on the page asking them for that qualitative feedback, you know, Hey, what actually got you to even Google search us, right? Type in that search term. What was the thing that made you consider kind of even filling out our form? Mm -hmm. Um, That's, that's a, that's a critical component that I think a lot of the early stage organizations miss out on and even late stage organizations miss out on it all the time. But what I, really interested in is like, I I don't know if I don't know if there's any way to just maybe just the the crew here can answer this question in general from your experience. But like, do you ever see people avoiding qualitative questions because like they don't want to be proven wrong? (laughs) So think of like an early stage company where they're like, no, no, no. Like my hypothesis is that like I've built this tool for this purpose. And I don't want anyone to really tell me like anything other than what I think this tool is for. Mm. Do you ever come into that where like I don't want you to ask that question because I don't want to know? It's kind of there was that other oh I think that people I'll let you answer that. Yeah, and let me I, think about this I think thing.
3: that people just struggle to to use common sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And so, like when Yep when I. Like had an aha moment when I thought, of, I mean, a major shift in how I did marketing was in 2017. I was visiting a customer. Our customer. We were selling into hospitals. I was in an ICU at like two in the morning. And I went into the break room and I looked at what the nurses and the respiratory therapists and the physicians were doing in the break room. They were spending time on Instagram and Facebook. And I was like, well, when they're watching that video, why wouldn't I rather have them reading a clinical trial about our product? And so, and it was that, it was that obvious. And then I went back to HQ and I was like, we have this insight. It's a major insight. Not no one in medical, medical device marketing there. We're going to have free reign. Our competitors aren't doing this. It's going to be great. And they're like, yeah, but physicians don't use Facebook. And I was like, I, I was literally there and just saw a bunch of people do this. And so, and then we did a large market research, research survey with 600 of our target accounts and found that 60% of people said that they do use social media, specifically Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, to learn about medical technology, which gave us even more data to go and market there. And then we started to market there, running media and ads. The amount of buyers that are, and accounts that are coming in to buy is going up from like 10 a month. So we, we're going up to like 50, 75 a month. So major increases in pipeline, major increases of revenue. Significantly better than what we're getting in... Um, from an outbound perspective. And then you look at what attribution software is saying, and, attrib- and so like, we're a $30 million business. The only thing that we really changed is we we spent started spending $25,000 a month on Facebook ads, and now all this stuff is happening. Attribution software is like organic search is driving all this stuff. And I'm like, this is so simple, so obvious of what's actually happening here is these people are reading the clinical trials. They're on mobile devices, so it's not getting cookied and attributed. They're going back, and they're having conversations internally, and then the decision maker's coming to our website and buying, and it's getting attributed to organic search. We're in multi-stakeholder sales and B2B. We're in complex sales cycles that are going to be outside of your little attribution model. The optimal way to market is ungated, natively inside of the channels that you're marketing to. So I'm trying to get someone to read about the clinical trial inside of Instagram, inside of Facebook, not clicking on my landing page, filling out a form, and then reading it, which means that... A thousand times, a hundred to a thousand times less people will actually read it because of the friction. And there's just so many things that of outdated ways of doing marketing that put measurement before outcomes. We need to start prioritizing outcomes over measurement.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with uh, at least the prioritizing for outcomes <laughs> and letting letting experiments uh, kind of dictate. You know, creating a hypothesis and letting experiments kind of um, get you there, right? And mm-hmm. I think Sean Ellis, like I, I'm pretty sure it was him, uh, where he said, you know, there's a question that you could ask uh, all of your current users, like, what would you do if this tool never existed anymore, like ceased to exist? Um, like, how would you react? And and that that was a really hard thing for a lot of organizations to try to put out in the world because it it shares a lot of really high qualitative, you know, results on whether or not someone valued it was like the best NPS indicator ever. Right. Um, and it really, at the end of the day, it was it was a qualitative way to try to measure the affinity for a product um, or feature or what have you. Um, and I think my takeaway from a lot of what you've been sharing today, Chris, is just like, yeah, if you get out in the field and you like really see what's going on, um, you're going to learn some things. Right. And I think you have a unique perspective in that regard that not all of us in marketing ops get but some of us too.
3: yeah just put it simply just a disconnection between buyers and what's actually happening in the world versus what the dashboard tells you
0: well and i think i think um I, there's a part of this also i think when people not only does it they want this technology that's going to do some of this heavy lifting and do the work and do it at scale and all that They also want like a simple answer, right? And very often the world is like I have teenage kids, right? And they want things to be yes or no. And there's a lot of black and white. There's a lot of gray in the world. And I, I think one of the things I've run into is like, how do you know if a campaign was effective or not? Right. And it's usually not just one thing. Some of it is, did you get good feedback? You know, but it's a combination of metrics usually that is the indicator. Ultimately, you know, whatever that key outcome is. Hopefully, you thought about what that you want that to be too. But I think that's a big part of what's being. If people just want it to be relatively simple, and it's just that's just not the reality. Yeah, I'm curious. Saying, uh,
2: sorry. Get well, I'm I'm curious if you think that it's it's less, um, it's it's easier to do the get this kind of insight um, when the teams are smaller and you have a single person in charge of like multiple platforms, right? But what happens when you get into uh, very large enterprise organizations, where maybe you have, for example, an entire social team that's dedicated just to like Facebook ads or or whatnot, and you have like all these disparate teams, and they may may or may not always be talking to each other. Does it become then more difficult to kind of like corral all of this information together to get that insight?
3: The way that companies measure marketing and silo teams in larger enterprises creates all of the wrong behaviors in marketing because Mm -hmm. the people that run Facebook ads need to create attribution on Facebook ads and do things that are not appropriate for the channel so that they can collect the leads so that they can do something. And so it creates single channel focus, not multi-channel journeys that are appropriate to each individual channel. So every single team... It's just running lead gen in their channel because that's the only way to to measure and get attribution. I think it creates a ton of the wrong behaviors, but it's just the way that it's the way that companies measure marketing. And I get it; it's a, it's a challenge to do this. And so when we work with companies, we help them take a a blended approach that uses a lot more of what I would call leaning into leaning into journeys, but also leaning into the idea that not every channel should be generating leads. Not every channel needs to do that. And so, rethinking what is the purpose of this channel and how do people do it? And then if you want to get me back on track on your question, I can answer it more directly, but the the like first thought that came to my head cuz I watch people do this, you got people that are running LinkedIn ads and they have to they have to go back and be like, "Here it was $100 CPL, here's what we had." And then if you track it through to Salesforce and revenue, they close. they spent $500,000 that year. They closed one deal for 30K ARR and no one actually looks at the outcomes. They only look at the cost per lead. Just blows my mind.
2: So, so do you think it's a, like, how, like, how would you kind of solve for this? Do you think it's a, a case of just the way the teams are structured and org chart change? Like, is it, do we take out software, put in software? What, what do you think is the best solution to this type of thing?
3: too many silos in marketing i think is is one big one and a um a attitude of wanting to do everything versus making choices on the things that actually are working mm-hmm. um so because you have like the demand team right and the demand team is all they're doing is running paid channels to drive mqls and then you got over here you got the brand team that posts on organic social gets no traction does some corporate pr releases and designs trade show booths that don't drive results and so you got the brand team over here doing stuff you got the field team that's mainly running like basically sales enablement and, and webinars and they're all kind of doing their their own thing like maybe we need a more integrated strategy um, are some of the things that I'm thinking about, which, and I just I interact with companies that have 50 marketers, and I know if they had 10 marketers, they could get better results. Just over Amen. over Ouch. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, really, it, it's it's a real thing. Uh, how about, do you so, how do you see? Sorry, teams... I gotta get
3: this in here. It's like yeah, it's people don't understand the that the strategy and the talent matter the most one marketer can move a business more than 25 if you have the right marketer it's like unbelievable the difference in talent and skills and results that get driven by a top 1% marketer and then everyone else that nobody understands i interview directors of demand gen every day from some of some of the biggest companies that all of you know and they're and they're not good um and so i would say probably i would say 3% of the people that i interview i would classify as very very talented um and the challenge for everyone else the cmos the ceos of early stage companies whatever is that they don't understand demand gen modern demand gen well enough to know whether their director or their vp knows it so they're just guessing they're looking at resumes they're looking at what buzzwords people use or what companies they worked at not whether or not they know what's going on with buyers today and can drive results and so there's a I think there is a pretty big, uh, pretty big opportunity for the good ones, and, and just trying to help people understand that that the talent matters. I think, I think, I mean,
1: I think those are valid things to be talking about. We see a, a big talent gap in marketing operations right now, too, and it's it's it, to kind of mirror the environment a little bit. It's that like leadership doesn't always know what marketing ops folks are doing. So they don't really know how to measure what success looks like or really what what they should expect out of these individuals. And I think what I just heard from you is, A, like, you know, you're feeling like there's a good, you know, like in most situations, there are one percenters, right? And that are quite good or like even really wealthy people, there's the 1% around the world, right? And, And they exist, but like, how does a leader, a CMO, ever know what good or highest quality is supposed to look like. And if they're not willing to to listen and to understand what high quality really is, meaning I don't need to rely on the traditional silos of marketing and the demand gen funnels and the software and all of those things. I need somebody to be able to look at a strategic approach that integrates all of those components and tries to do something that's disruptive and I need to, I'm, I'm very comfortable with that. If they're not there, how are they ever going to know what quality demand gen looks like? You know, what I mean? it's mm-hmm. like, so I There's think a... as experts in the field, you know, yourself included in the, in that group, like let's keep creating content that helps educate up market on what does it look like to have quality in that role and how do you go find it and how, and how do you nurture it, right? How do you get it there? The, the, Let's take somebody from not a one percenter to being closer to a one percenter. <laughs> the,
3: the the major gap here from a CMO standpoint is that B2B marketing was very static from nineteen eighty to two thousand ten. Yeah. You built trade show booths, you did industry conferences, you made friends with the trade publications, you hung out with Gartner and those types of people who recommended stuff and then you had a and then you had to make sure your sales channel knew who to go after and had enablement tools and that was b2b marketing. And now we have rapid acceleration where things are changing 6 months ago people were obsessed with Clubhouse. Now it's nothing, right? 3 right. years ago nobody was marketing on LinkedIn. Now it's the most important platform in b2b. There are changes that are happening that require you as a CMO to get into the details and know what's going on so that you can judge whether or not the people that you're hiring and bringing in to lead your organization know what they're talking about or not. A lot of people can use the buzzwords, but when you put them in and you say you try to understand, do they understand the underlying details? Do they understand why most people crack like cheap glass. And so, This is a call out here for CMOs is that there's a lot of CMOs that are getting major turnover. The reason is because you need to understand the execution in order to drive strategy now. Things are changing yeah. too fast.
0: I mean, the analogy I'm thinking in my head right now is the back if you were a CIO back in the, you know, seventies or eighties, right? You you basically if you if you didn't want to keep your job, you bought IBM, right? And then along came Apple and Dell and Compaq, if you remember that, like and it changed the the whole landscape. I mean uh, it's it's a little bit like that here, right? Things are moving so quickly that we almost didn't see it happening. I think that's part of it. So there's this fear of if I don't do everything the way, yeah. You know, I know that everybody else is going to be asking me about MQLs and you know SQLs and and all that kind of stuff. So how you know that's the stuff I need to focus on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so let's take it back to attribution modeling a little bit, right? Cool. So <laughs> I know we've talked, we kind of danced around, but do you do you? Do you see a a because a lot of people have invested time and effort into the technology and the processes and everything else? Is is do you, is there is there a is there a way place for it in terms of how we use it within marketing to do you know from your standpoint is it helpful in I'm i gonna, I'm gonna put it in my own terminology I think you were suggesting like you wanna not try to do everything in, in the in the go-to-market strategy, but sort of focus on where you can place bets that work for you. I mean, is it helpful in that sense in driving that or, or anything else?
3: So I think that most companies should be using it, right? So I'm not over here saying rip out all that stuff that you did was a waste of time, rip it out, you're wasting money. What I'm saying is that how you use it is flawed. The software is going to get you 40% of the way there. You think that it's going to get you 100% of the way there. And that 60% is why your marketing strategy doesn't change and why you keep funneling back to outdated tactics that are easy to measure. And I feel like
1: that's the the um, the cry of every Martech platform on the planet, though. And, <laughs> like, and, and so, like, whether it's attribution software or a marketing automation platform, okay. like, any platform, right? By the way, it's not going to get you 100% of the way there.
3: <laughs> and, and so, you need to one acknowledge that the thing that's the the scariest for me is that most people still think the software is 100% accurate but don't even acknowledge that like a touch a word of mouth touchpoint in a community that drives b2b buying decisions then thinks that that doesn't exist because it doesn't get measured right and Well, so, it's like
0: i mean they think website you know how many visitors do we have and they think it's a it down to a single digit and mm-hmm.
3: i'm like no yeah. never And so we need to, one, recognize the limitations of the software, which there are many. We need to figure out, based on those limitations, what is the appropriate way to use this? And what additional ways can we measure stuff that would help us get the rest of the 60% so that we can accurately and responsibly drive strategy? So that's where I'm putting in. You want quant? do market research surveys ask your buyers where they where they hear about things where they learn run win loss qualitative call your buyers ask what they you know jobs to be done win loss analysis figure out wh- what was their spend 15 minutes understanding their their buyer journey you can put the how did you hear about us on the form you can be doing general market research like the thing is for me like i knew i I ran that the experiment that I showed you before right to collect the data to show that our buyers tell us that they're finding us in these places attribution software is telling us completely different stuff. I knew all that stuff to be true because I'm with my customer every day. I'm in I'm in the places I see what they're doing. They tell me these things, right? And so I'm encouraging marketers to be in that place. Where the software is nice, but you because you know your customers so well and you're with them, you you can easily know when the software is telling you something that's false. And so we got to get to a place like the definition of marketing is understanding customers deeply, in my view. Mm. And being able to be the voice inside of the company of what customers need and do. That was a very traditional way of looking at marketing. I think it needs to get back to that because right now it's been all promotion, comms, lead gen type of stuff the foundation of good marketing is always understanding customers. And because we're customers, seeing like, a because shift customers that. are changing so fast, like you need to be with them. Um, and so I'm pushing people to go back to the, to get back to the fundamentals.
1: I think we're seeing a shift towards that again now more than ever. Um, you've got client success and tools that they're trying to utilize to better understand how their customers are engaging with the business and the, the SaaS company, the software tools itself. You got product marketers who are trying to tap into the knowledge that's coming in collectively from the top of the funnel and the bottom of the funnel, BDrs, SDRs, and then the client success team. You know, and the, and they're trying to bring together some sort of qualitative analysis in one CRM view. So you're starting to get to a place where everybody's trying to figure out what is the sentiment of the buyer journey and where do they want to go and how do they stay with us long term. Um, I, I think that is absolutely happening at, at least in the organizations that are matured in that way. Um, but yeah, it's probably not, not the standard.
0: No. So, I mean, I like the idea that, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about is that like what, and what I've seen value when I had like inbound for part of my role as well was part of the value that I had from the data we had was be able to tell the story about how we either won or lost a deal. Um, so, and, and so, but that's, you know, it's heavy, heavy lifting, hard work, to do it. And and he can only do so much of it with with people, but what, you know, so our audience is mostly marketing ops. It's not always people who are, you know, top head of marketing or something like that. You know, any for, kind of, let's wrap this up, I guess, a little bit with wait, any suggestions you have for how we as marketing ops pros could help drive that conversation towards one that is looking at all these different kinds of data points and insights that we could use,
3: yeah, I got a couple here. So I'm just going to I'm just going to say it. Like I believe as a marketing ops or rev ops person, if you do not do your own primary customer research, actually talking to people, then you're doing your job with your hands tied behind your back. And you're at a huge disadvantage of knowing these types of things. I think I've communicated a lot on on that already in this episode, so that's one. I think the second one Would be deeply understanding the limitations of these different tools and educating your peers on what those limitations are and why. Like marketing ops and rev ops can be the people that actually drive this. These people, like I hear it all the time. I see it in LinkedIn. I talk to these people. I want to be seen as a strategic business partner in this role. Start acting like one. Drive, drive serious strategy change. Change how people think and look. Think about these types of things. You own attribution. You own these types of things. And so by being able to mix software, qualitative, different things like that, that bubbles up to a completely different go-to-market strategy, when you actually do it, it will happen every time. If you add qualitative, you will end up with an entirely different go-to-market strategy when customers get involved in these. And so um, these are some of, and then being able, like you mentioned, the, the business acumen, like being able to guide and change what are the right things that we should measure here? Do we, do we need to measure clicks on this campaign? Is that the right way to do it? Do we need to have a 20-page deck about this campaign that lasted three three days? Or should we be looking at business metrics that matter? Should we be going back to the CFO and talking about cost per qualified meeting, customer acquisition costs, conversion rates through the funnel, by different source, CAC by source, why we should stop spending money in Google and move it over here because the CAC is tech, CAC payback's 36 months. These are things that I don't see being talked about from marketing ops. And we need to elevate to a place where this, the CFO really trusts the trusts the advice that we're providing.
1: I appreciate yeah. that. And I think uh, it's been said before on past episodes for us, it's it's a bit of the begin with the end in mind. What do you want to learn? what do you need to learn what kind of questions do you need to be able to answer and i think our role as marketing and revops professionals is to be able to ask those questions and push back to say is that really the answer that you're looking for if i go build this way to track something is that going to help you answer some some strategic question mm-hmm. um i think it's okay to ask why what's the what's the rule you have to ask why like 5 times five, or whatever 5 times yeah <laughs> before you finally get the answer so right. I, yeah, it's, but I think it's, it's beginning with the end in mind. It's right? so
3: interesting because like I interact with RevOps people a lot, and all of the, a lot of the things that I talk about that are broken in companies like Legion doesn't drive results. It drives a lot of MQLs that don't convert, like that we're measuring marketing the wrong way. A lot of the RevOps people that I talk to know these things, they see the data every day, but they haven't been able to elevate to get a change to happen in the company to move away from it, and I think that's the next step of, of this function. It's not only about surfacing the data and looking, it's about inspiring change inside of the company.
0: Great. Love it. All right. So we are going to, I think we're going to have to wrap it up here, Chris. This has been a, a great conversation. Um, I'm sure we're going to get lots of feedback from our, from our listeners. So this is great. Uh, folks want to kind of keep it over
3: negative. Feel free to shoot it to me in LinkedIn DM would love to hear it. Seriously. <laughs> if, if you didn't, didn't like it, I'd love to hear why.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So is the best way for folks to kind of catch up with you? Is it on LinkedIn? Is it, I mean, you've got the podcast. How would you, what do you suggest?
3: Um, Yeah. If you want messaging, uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn DM, Chris Walker. And then if you want to check out the podcast, it's called the State of Demand Gen Podcast on Apple or Spotify.
1: Cool. In real time, uh, I pulled the data while we were on the show, and uh, 36% of our audience were referred to the MoPros by a colleague or a friend, 26% from LinkedIn, and uh, 20% say other, and I don't have a field for them to
3: fill in. So guess what I just did, Chris? put it into other yeah i put it i put a field <laughs> in for them
1: <laughs> so we're gonna learn something but still, new <laughs> that's, more, that's more than
3: 50 percent that would go into what i call collectively dark social word of mouth social networks things like that that are not going to get properly measured by attribution software the data is the same in every company companies just don't measure it so I encourage people to put that on some of their forms and see it for themselves yeah for sure
0: Awesome. Well thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Mike, Naomi, thank you. Thanks to our listeners. Um, we will catch up with you at the next episode. Bye, everyone.
3: Thanks, everyone. Bye, everybody.
0: Bye everyone.